Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Right now, there's a nationwide shortage of maple syrup. For real. And it's a big thing. You know who the biggest consumer of syrup is? Is us. We buy 60% of Canadian syrup. They make 73% of syrup in the world. We buy 60% of it. It's like they opened a donut shop next to a Jenny Craig. They know we can't resist. And they... Okay, so I was astounded yesterday when you said that Canada provided practically all the maple syrup for the whole world. Specifically, uh, three-quarters of it, uh, the world's supply of uh, maple syrup comes from Quebec. But almost all of it is consumed by us. So the rest of the world doesn't take in maple syrup? What are they What are they using on their pancakes over in wherever? Curry. Mostly curry. Well, not in France. Cur- curry and yogurt. No, I, don't, I, I, I know very little about international <laughs> pancake eating habits, in spite of all the time I've spent at the International House of Pancakes. I was about to say, there is a place where we can all learn this stuff and figure it out. Well, in Belgium, they're eating waffles, according to my research. But with which are great. And with, in France, they're eating toast, you idiot. Which are great with, <laughs> which all those are great with syrup on them. What kind of syrup yes. are they using? Not oh. maple syrup? Powdered sugar. I don't know. Interesting. If you know, fries. if you're a traveler and you know, uh, text us, 415-295-KFDC, on to something more important. And I'd, I'd like to read this entire article. Um, that's not really much of a radio show. Have you listened to that radio show where they just read the newspaper to you? But Go ahead. Works for me. It's pretty good. Jason Riley from the Wall Street Journal today. And I never know whether to say this or not. Go ahead. Do you love him? You love him deeply. Do you do you point out Jason Riley, Thomas Sowell, McCorder, any of these people? Do you point out that they're black, or is that uncool? It, it, no, I, I I understand your hesitancy. I, I think it is useful partly to counter the utterly insulting, and I seriously I get upset when I talk about this. The incredibly insulting notion that's pitched on the left that all people of color think the same. Jason Riley, Wall Street Journal, Waukesha killings made the media colorblind again. That's the story of the guy who used his car as a weapon and drove through a parade and killed a bunch of people, and he's a lifelong horrifying criminal. In the aftermath of George Floyd's death last year, employers offered black workers time off to deal with the news. Remember that? Yeah. And UCLA suspended a professor who refused to grade his supposedly traumatized black students more leniently than their non-black peers. Do you remember that story? You're supposed to take it easy on the black students because they can't be expected to do well in their tests. Certainly not. George Floyd. Such gestures, says Jason Riley, may have been well-meaning, but they're also nonsensical and reeked of condensation. Are black psyches really this fragile? And are blacks so starved for exemplars that miscreants must be treated like martyrs? Should Floyd's death matter more to them than the huge number of black homicides that don't involve police? And why would people who aren't black be any less disturbed by a video showing a police officer kneeling on the neck of a defenseless suspect for nine minutes? It's a good question. It's 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 uh, patronizing or condescending on both ends. You're acting like that guy because he's black can't go to work or school because of it and that I'm because I'm white don't am not affected by somebody killed in the street sure it's just fine just fine to see that terrible terrible incident and you know I would suggest that it is only because of the weaponizing of the case by race 
And then the the uh, by extension, we've all heard this that the white man is the devil unless you bow uh, uh, down and take a knee and worship Ibram X. Kendi. I mean, it's only that sort of rhetoric that that made it about race, really. I mean, uh, and I don't deny for a second that the treatment of black Americans by the cops through the decades has been oh, no. problematic. Without it's a doubt. Awful. That's absolutely true. But yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't people like us that whipped all that stuff up. Uh, Jason Riley goes on to say, so this is what happens when racial identity becomes the centerpiece of politics and public life in a multiracial society. The political left often pretends to pine for a post-racial America, but that's the last thing it really wants. I recall a guy who ran for president a little while back after talking about how there's no black America or white America or Asian America, just the United States of America. And then he became president and stopped talking like that. And so is his vice president. Uh, people who are interested in a post-racial America don't name their organization Black Lives Matter or welcome racial propaganda like the 1619 Project into elementary schools. They don't advocate racial preferences in college admissions or racial quotas in hiring, and they don't call for white people who were never slaveholders to pay reparations to black people who were never slaves. That's the most succinctly put I've ever heard that. Uh-huh. Um, I want to jump, because uh, I don't want to run out of time before I get to... Uh, more of the me to this. He, he's he, he talks about how he's um, uh, the Rittenhouse trial came out the way it should have ha- it should have come out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The same press outlets that portrayed Mister Rittenhouse as a white supremacist have had remarkably little to say about the racial identity of Daryl Brooks, the black suspect in Wisconsin who was accused of plowing his car through an annual Christmas parade last month and killing six people, including an eight-year-old boy, all of whom were white. Given the suspect's hit, and I didn't know this next part, given the suspect's history of posting messages on social media that called for violence against white people and praised Hitler for killing Jews, you'd think that his race and the race of his victims would be relevant to reporters. Race is all anyone would be talking about if a white man had slammed his vehicle into a parade full of black people, yet suddenly the left has gone colorblind. Well, I, can you imagine if he posted that sort of message and, and praised the Nazis for the love of heaven? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that he actually had made posts about violence against white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'll jump to this. Once we go down this road and get into the habit of racializing such events, we may not be able to contain that ra- racialization, says Brown University econo- economist Glenn Lurie in a recent speech for the Manhattan Institute. Soon enough, we may find ourselves in a world of instances where black thugs killing white citizens come to be seen through a racial lens as well. This is a world no thoughtful person should welcome since there are a great many such instances. The political life's hyper-consciousness about race might help Democrats turn out their base, but at a steep cost. National cohesion in a country large and ethnically diverse as this one has always depended on our ability to focus not on our superficial differences, but instead on what unites us uh, as Americans. We are playing with fire, a phrase I've been using a lot lately. If we continue to go down this road, and we are, and I think we're going to end up right where they're talking about, where if you have some actual black criminals kill some innocent white people, it is going to be seen through a racial lens and justified or overlooked, and then we're into some really, really scary territory. I would argue that we are on such a rapid downward slide, it's almost inevitable, because, first of all, I mean, that happens all the time. Uh, of, of the Virtually every single one of those horrific assaults of elderly Asian people 
whether in the Bay Area, California, New York, whatever, was black on Asian crime. The media did not discuss that. They suddenly had no interest in race. The horrific cost, we mentioned it just a little bit earlier, uh, Cook County, which is essentially Chicago and a couple of suburbs, um, just had its 1,000th homicide of the year. The vast majority of those people, those victims, are young black people. Now, they may be gangbangers or whatever, but they're young black people. And if black lives matter, and if you have a human soul, and you're concerned about human life and, and it being deprived, uh, that's an enormous story. And the race of the people involved shouldn't really matter to you at all. But it is soft-pedaled. It is actively soft-pedaled by the legacy media because they're so uncomfortable with the racial dynamics there. So we've taken an enormous step toward what Jason Riley is afraid of. Yeah, Ying Ma texted me the other day. She said, not sure if you guys have already covered this brutal beating of an Asian girl in Philly. Group of black girls attack Asian students in Philadelphia. More white supremacy. Um, yeah, that ignoring violent crimes, depending on which direction the race goes, not a good direction to be going. No. It's, no. it's I mean, it's that this is not just like regular talk radio cable news, something to talk about or get worked up about crap. This is a serious, tears society apart, leads to lots of death problem. Yeah, I'd say this is your doctor sitting you down and saying this is serious. Um, You know, oh, something that just flitted through my head again, blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, and we are also seeing, and I think this is an under-discussed aspect of the enormous number of smash-and-grab robberies around America. And it is all over America now. Um, there is a notion within uh, certain sections of black America that they have been cheated for so long, they've been treated so badly by the white supremacist government, and, and why would they think that? Oh, gosh, they're being taught it from elementary school through college. They're hearing, uh, you know, the New York Times tell them that. They have decided that the law does not apply to them, and indeed the uh, the smashing, grabbing, the looting, the sacking of the economy, uh, the establishment, these stores, that is not only not bad, it's good, it's appropriate. So here we are, Jason. Yeah, pretty damned troubling. That's a very, very heavy topic, but uh, was worth discussing. How about we just make fun of Dr. Oz when we come back? Oh, I love that idea. And Jimmy Kimmel took some shots at him, and we probably will, too. And Dr. Oz is running for the U.S. Senate. Yeah. You haven't heard yeah. that. I'm surprised that he's campaigning in Pennsylvania right now, because he does have to fly south for the winter. <laughs> That's a, uh, he's a quack duck joke. Is that what that is? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Dr. Oz will be running for Senate in Pennsylvania. Turns out, turns out running for Senate is the one weird trick to reduce belly fat. (laughs) Now, this is Dr. Oz's first time running for office, so he's staying humble with his promises. As it says on his campaign website, Dr. Oz is fundamentally promising to help relight the divine spark inside every American. I'd settle for cheaper gas, but sure, Doc, check the pilot light on my divine spark, just like they taught you at med school. 
Now, before his run, Dr. Oz had a lucrative career as a liar peddling questionable health advice on TV, like saying coffee bean pills can help treat weight loss, raspberry ketone will burn fat, and astrological signs may reveal a great deal about your health. Sure, who doesn't love it when the doctor says, uh, Mr. Johnson, you have cancer, as your star sign, which means an office friendship could turn to romance. <laughs> But Dr. Oz may not just have fake medical claims, he may have fake Pennsylvania claims because he's running there despite living in New Jersey for years. And there's a big difference between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Something to do with hoagies, I don't know what it is, but they will murder you over it. Yeah, Dr. Oz doesn't live in Pennsylvania. I'm sure he's got a way around that technically. But... Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, this, this could be what brings Americans back together. Contempt for Dr. Oz, because uh, Colbert's audience is uh, very liberal. Uh, I don't know. I made some comments about Dr. Oz on the Twitter, and there was some pushback, because he, he went on Hannity, and he's kind of going for that crowd, and you know we have a tendency to root for our team. And the, Some of you who don't really know Dr. Oz's act might just assume, okay, he's on my team, I'm... Well, he's a charlatan, but he's a good one. He's a very smart guy, so he knows what to say to get you on his side. But that doesn't make him any less a charlatan. No, and incredibly obnoxious as we had a uh, personal run-in with him, which if he gets any 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 uh, traction on this whole Senate run, we'll, we'll talk more about our personal dealings with Dr. Oz. But. I, I will tell you this, though. In the era when everybody's contemptuous and angry, if you don't know Dr. Oz's act, you saw him on Hannity and you thought, wow, I've heard of this guy. He's really scratching me where I itch. I don't blame you for that. No. Congratulations for not knowing this hack, this <laughs> quack, this <laughs> quack act <laughs> and his act. I'm rapping now. Practically, his, his Jesse Jackson over here. Right. It's okay. We totally understand it. Just take it from us. The guy is a quack hack. Oh, boy. Almost made me spit out my coffee. That's a good one. Um, burglars knocked a hole in the wall in Berlin to steal Lego sets. Wow, it's like the... The old uh, bank break-in movies, but it's Legos. Yeah, $7,500 worth of toy sets, so like four of them, uh, if you're a parent and you've bought any Legos recently. Yeah, Legos are worth a ton of money, and then with the whole smash and grabs, I could I could easily grab $1,000 worth of Lego sets faster than practically anything I can think of outside of maybe a jewelry store, in terms of adding up to a lot of money quickly. That hasn't happened. You got guards outside the Apple store. You need guards outside the Lego store. Yeah, Louis Vuitton, nothing. I'm heading down to Legoland. Not that I'm stealing anything, but I hear you. Hey, coming up next segment, Harvard's out with a new uh, questionnaire of young people about uh, their attitudes toward government and that sort of thing, and uh, we'll talk about that. It's it's pretty interesting. It's all over the place. Oh, yeah, and uh, also a, a big survey about Americans' attitudes toward the military that actually shocked me. Uh, so we'll we'll hit that at the same time. Have you been following the McDonald's ice cream machine story? No. Well, they're always broken, is the thing. Right. Anybody who's attempted to procure uh, an ice cream cone at McDonald's realizes you might as well ask for the Hope Diamond or an audience with the Pope as an ice cream cone. 
These uh, these machines are built by uh, a company called Taylor, Taylor something or other. And and one same the, company that built the copier out here that we're all screaming about this morning <laughs> in the elevators. Uh, anyway, uh, so the, the part of the, the thing when you buy these Taylor machines is in your contract it says only Taylor can fix them. Keep your dirty mitts off of these machines. And and so McDonald's franchisees all over America are like these. I almost dropped an F bomb. <laughs> So sorry to even think it, folks. Why? I'm Around a polite the... man. I can't imagine why. Well, the, the franchisees are thinking this blanking thing is always broken, and you're telling me I've got to wait for you to show up when you show up to fix it. I'm losing money over here. And so, a company called Kitch K Y T C H K Y T C H yeah uh, started up. They said, "Listen, here's a device that reads its error codes. You, you can buy this thing from us. You can figure out what the codes are. You can fix it yourself." Well, of course, then Taylor goes around suing everybody. They try to ruin Kitch. They claim make fallacious claims about what Kitch is doing. Then they try to steal Kitch's technology and blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. So there's a big lawsuit going on. And it's crazy, and it has to do with who this whole to... right to repair thing. Oh, right to repair. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, who wants to steal the technology of something that doesn't work? Um, hey, the donkey's broken. Why do you call it donkey? Well, it's not a donkey, but it's not an ice cream machine either, so I don't know what to call it. <laughs> call it anything you want. Call it a, a time machine or a nuclear fusion yeah, reactor. It's as much that as an ice cream machine, because there ain't no ice cream coming out of it. <laughs> exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, comes out there. Many, many dollars at stake. I like McDonald's ice cream. Doesn't taste just like all their just like their hamburgers don't taste like hamburgers. Their ice cream doesn't taste like ice cream, but it's appealing. Do the do the ice cream cones melt? I haven't had Max ice cream in forever. Similar to their milkshakes, they're they're unmeltable, which That's is disturbing. Should frighten you. Yes, I am frightened. <laughs> young, you'll be frightened by this. Young people's attitudes toward government and our crumbling belief in all institutions, which is not good. If you can't stay tuned, you can get the segment uh, online, on demand, Armstrong and Getty, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A new National Defense Survey conducted by the Ronald Reagan Institute found that for the first time, a minority of Americans, only 45%, have a great deal of trust in the U.S. military, down 25% in the past three years. Confidence in the military among Republicans fell by 34 points to 53%. The declining trust in the military is occurring more rapidly than other institutions. My opinion is a lot of what caused it has been politicians who have roped the military military into their own particular agenda. And so they become more of a political football recently than they have before. Jen Griffin of Fox News there with one of a couple of really interesting surveys that have come out in the last 48 hours. Yeah. So uh, before we hear more of that, what's the 30 point drop among Republicans? That's really interesting. Is Um, that the, uh, you know, various people undermining trump or whatever could be that it could be the whole woke military thing absolutely you ought to read ibram kindy well i i I, my belief in the readiness of our military has dropped a lot in recent years i think their emphasis is in all the wrong places 
I've uh, read with interest, you know, in the wake of some of those uh, Navy collisions, how the folks are undertrained, the management or the the leadership is not quite what it should be in in places. And yeah, my uh, my faith, my confidence in the military is eroded a bit. Too, come to think of it. Also, and I, I was going to quote somebody, but I'm not sure I'll get the right person. But I remember somebody making the point that generals are getting more involved in political issues than they ever have in hmm. recent memory. Like taken aside, like you clearly know what sign they are signing on to letters, you know that sort of stuff. Hmm. A hundred generals have signed on to a letter saying blah blah blah. Now, generally they're retired, but either way, yeah. Yeah. Why are they weighing in on political issues? Yeah. All right, Michael, hit us with clip 51. Only 42% believe the U.S. can win a war overseas. We're number two in a world where it's dangerous, if not fatal, to be second best. Fox News was given an exclusive look at the survey's findings, which saw a sea change in attitude about the threat posed by China. We're seeing a huge uptick in this survey in terms of concern about China. For the first time, and we've done this four times, 52% of American people see China as the country that presents the greatest threat to the United States. By contrast, only 14% say Russia. Interesting. 42% believe we can win a war overseas, which is a disturbingly low number. And then this is less about the poll than about the current situation, but I found it so interesting. Uh, Michael, 52 those surveyed expressed concerns about U.S. leadership in the world and a possible war in space. A top U.S. Space Force commander recently warned in an interview with The Washington Post's Josh Rogan, China is attacking U.S. satellites on almost a daily basis using lasers and radio frequency jammers, attacks that could be seen as an act of war. In addition to fielding a whole suite of counter space weapons to deny us, so they have come a long way very quickly. They are close to being an equal, and if they continue at their pace, they could surpass us in the next several whoa, generations. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. China's attacking our satellites on a near-daily basis? Seems now, like come on, China! Seems like something we should be discussing. You know why so many Americans believe China is an enemy of the United States? <laughs> because China is an enemy of the United States. That's why. Clearly. China is asshole! That's another way to put it. I'm glad uh, Americans are waking up to that. It's, it's absolutely critical. Yeah, on the, um, I don't know when this survey was taken, you know, these are the results that we're just getting, I don't know when they took it, but if it was fairly recently, you see that China has got these hypersonic missiles that we can't detect, you see, you see us, the way we pulled out of Afghanistan, how, how would, how would the positive numbers not be going in the wrong direction, based on those two stories? Yeah, I don't really blame the military for much that happened in Afghanistan. But uh, including the the end of it, but I understand the perception. No, I don't blame the military either. But our ability to do things as a military, for whatever reason, even well, if right, it's just yeah, the leaders. Yeah. Well, the civilian leadership of the military is part of the military. If sure. you you know look at it that way, yeah. Ha! Huh, that's interesting. Um, this next thing I have, I thought was really interesting, but then with the unbelievable power of concentration. I think I figured out why it is what it is, and it's not near as interesting. But oh, really? I'll hit you with okay. this first. All right. Or I'm wrong. Maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong. Byron, Byron York's writing in the Washington Examiner about this new Harvard University. It's, I haven't heard of Have you heard about Harvard? Yeah, it's a little community college in Massachusetts. It was a good Harvard joke I heard the other day. Uh, this thing Harvard is a bloated, self-important crap heap that needs to go away. 
No, that's not a joke. That's just a statement. It was similar to the filled whole, with venom and hatred too. It was similar to the whole. How do you know somebody went to Harvard? They'll tell you, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll pop into my head. Anyway, so Harvard asked young people about uh, state of democracy in America, and uh, Byron York and the Examiner gets into some of the results, and I think misses one of the obvious reasons the numbers are what they are. But we'll start here. Perhaps the most interesting result came in response to the broad question, and uh, they're surveying people eighteen to 29 adults under 30 if you will i will (laughs) child (laughs) which of the following phrases best describes the united states today oh boy brace yourselves (laughs) a healthy democracy a somewhat functioning democracy a democracy in trouble a failed democracy and don't know always my favorite answer i don't know well, well, look look around you. Does it seem like this is working or not? I don't know. No opinion. We're a democracy. You live a life. You go to school. You work a job. Everything like that. Does it seem like it's going to go? I don't know. I got no opinion. I'll give you $5 <laughs> to pick one of them. Okay. Here's your $5. No opinion. <laughs> the headline that came out of it was a significant number of young people described the U.S. as a failed democracy or a democracy in trouble. Overall, 13% of those surveyed described the U.S. as a failed democracy. Yeah, I'm not shocked by that. 39% of people under 30 called the country a democracy in trouble. What would my answer be? Yeah, I see. I was going to say earlier, I think I would, I think I would have checked a democracy in trouble, but maybe somewhat functioning democracy is a better answer. I don't know. I what, think I'd you, go with that one. What think? was the first one again? A healthy democracy. Uh, I think no. the second one. <laughs> Definitely not number one. Right. So 13% said a failed democracy. 39% said a democracy in trouble. Uh, 7% did say the U.S. is a healthy democracy, 27 functioning. And then 13%, I don't know. I got no idea. I haven't noticed. <laughs> no. And then here's the conclusion that Byron York draws, and I think I, I think I can explain it pretty easily. Look pretty deep, a little more deeply inside the numbers. Who's calling the U.S. a troubled democracy? Is it the mostly lefty youth listening to lefty professors and lefty podcasts while their parents watch Rachel Maddow and everybody votes Democrat? Or is it the mostly young people on the right, Republicans who voted to reelect Donald Trump in 2020? It's Republicans. Harvard provided a detailed breakdown of the survey. Break it down. 2,100 people surveyed. And Republicans who voted for Trump were way more likely than Democrats who voted for Joe Biden to call the U.S. democracy troubled. I am surprised. Huh. I was, too. But isn't it clearly the answer that um, if you had asked this question before the election, you would have had a way higher percentage of Democrats saying, oh, we're a failed democracy. Trump's president. How could you call oh, us anything but a failed democracy? Oh, my God. And the Republicans would be saying, of course, we're a, st- a strong democracy. Trump's president. And now it's the reverse. Oh. That's all it is. So disappointing. I know. You, I think you got a point. It's, uh, not, that doesn't explain all of it, but it's in there. Oh, absolutely. I guarantee you, a lot of the, a lot of the people that voted for Trump who are going to say it's a failed or failing democracy is because Trump lost because Biden's a president. And well, the, and, care. well, and the reverse yeah. was true before. Of course, it's a healthy democracy. Trump is president. Or, or, how, I guarantee you, Democrats would say it was a failed democracy while Trump was president. Oh, yeah, absolutely true. And there's a lot more subtlety on both sides. I mean, if Trump had gotten reelected, there would still be reasons to suggest that, that there are troubles in this uh, political system. Well, to, to me, the worst thing you can ever say, and I've, I've thought this since I was young, 
and it's the, it gets to the whole, this is the most important election of our lifetimes thing. If America success or failed, it's a pass-fail test, based on the election of one human being for one term, well, then we don't have a very good system. The founders no, were not as good at it as we thought. Actually, they were really good at it, and so we can't pass or fail based on the election of one human for one term. That's kind of the point. That's the whole point. Right, right. Well, that's the worst thing Jack can think of saying. Here's the worst thing I can think of saying. Honey, they broke into our house and stole all of our stuff. It's all gone. Uh, get in touch with our friends at Simply Safe. They're giving you a fabulous holiday deal, 40% off their award-winning home security. Whether it's your home, which is extra important, or your workshop or your business, you're afraid of the smashing grabs, uh, Simply Safe named the best home security system of 2021 by U.S. News & World Report. So you go to, you go to simplysafe.com, you click around, you customize the system for your home online. Just takes you a couple of minutes. Then you get Simply Safe, it's shipped to you, and you set it up yourself. Yeah, you set it up yourself. No long-term contracts, because a lot of security systems, you're locked in for a couple of years, whether you like it or not, whether you use it or not. No long-term commitments with Simply Safe. And uh, they'll help you set it up, obviously, if that's what you want. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over 100 bucks. You're going to love these people. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. 40% off because you know us. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. You're going to like it again. No long-term contracts. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. The Supreme you know, Court, as we speak, hearing uh, oral arguments in the Mississippi abortion ban case. We'll talk more about that later. All right. Excellent. I, I will point out that no matter who got elected, president, and, and I, like you, are not obsessed with only the office of the president. State legislatures matter so much. Congress matters. The Senate matters. Your local elections matter. Please, folks. The, 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 the more local, the better. Anyway, uh, no matter what the result of the presidential election, I will tell you I am highly troubled by the effort to move to willy-nilly mail-in votes. I think it undermines vote security, which undermines, or ballot security, I suppose is a better term, but which undermines faith in our electoral system. I think there, there are political issues, there are electoral issues, there are scandals, whatever, and they're, they're, some of them are important, but they come and they go. To me, getting as far away from the security of the ballot box, one person, one ballot, stuck in the slot, and then the careful, careful maintaining of the custody of those ballots. Getting as far away from that as we have is messing with the DNA of our electoral system. Uh, so, so I'm worried by that. Yeah, so I took in a podcast the other day with Molly Hemingway's husband. I was trying yeah, to look Mark. that up. Mark, Mark Hemingway. Hemingway yeah. So she wrote, I think she wrote the book with him, but her name is on it. Anyway, the book Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. And he was on... The Michael Malice podcast, who's this anarchist guy that I listen to now and then, is so entertaining. But anyway, he made the best argument I've heard yet for what the Demo- how the Democrats, quote, stole the election. It's not the Venezuelan voting machines and all this different stuff. No. They systematically, over many months, organized a system, stuff you're talking about, mail-in ballots and all these sorts of things, that were legal. They're all legal. They just did a better job of putting everything in place that was going to make it much more likely that a Democrat got elected president. That was the rigging of the election. With the uh, active help of the media and social media. With the the help of, uh, you know, almost all media. Mm -hmm. That's that's the real rigging of the election. That's that's pretty interesting stuff. And, uh, and and, And 
you know, and almost entirely legal or states voted under a lot of it emergency measures because of the pandemic ah, to yes. allow these things to happen. So that was the rigging of the election. And it's way more interesting, I think, and troubling than the other story. Well, and we absolutely have to be aware of it enough to fight it. To be active in, in pushing back against those things. There's n- there's nothing going to be done about Venezuelan voting machines, which was a crop of, crock of crap from the beginning, by the way. And if you got sucked down that road, that's fine. No judgment. But but pay attention to what's actually happening, and that's ballot security and that sort of thing. But anyway, enough on that. Plus, we need to take a break. Guy got, uh, radio host got fired. Joe and I always, our ears perk up when we hear about a radio host getting fired. Oh, what they do, what they say. Where's the line? Where's the line today? Was he talking about the former man who's now dominating college swimming? I do want to hear about that. Because that's a bit of a minefield. So we got to talk about that, too. Yeah, well, there's plenty of opportunity for us to ruin our lives and our careers. Coming up well, next. Good. Let's get started. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A list of the most popular pet names of 2021 was just released, and one of the most popular names for a pet was Fauci. Yeah. Seems like a weird choice, unless, of course, your dog has a raspy Brooklyn accent. (laughs) But this is true. Dogs named Zoom also increased over 400%, which means there's someone out there with a 15-year-old dog named Napster. (laughs) Fauci and Zoom aren't the only pet names that increased in popularity. COVID also went up 35%. Who would name their dog COVID? Who would do that? Like, you want to be like calling your friends and you're like, hey, I can't wait to pop over later. Is it okay if I bring COVID? Dog named Napster, particularly funny joke. I thought that was pretty that was good. Funny. Yeah, who would name their dog COVID? Uh, an idiot. An idiot. I what? didn't know people named their dogs after popular things of the moment. Uh, is that a thing? All right. Um, so oral arguments have begun in the biggest abortion case maybe in a half a century. Uh, many people think it's the one that ends Roe versus Wade. Joe has been listening to the oral arguments during the commercials. Joe, based on your listenings, how do you see the court leaning at this point? They will overturn Roe v. Wade based on the 45 to 55 seconds I listened to. Back to you. All right. Now, you can't read the tea leaves, yet people try. I just found it a really interesting argument as they were probing the lawyers and trying to test the strengths of their argument, and uh, who knows? Did you take in any of the Ghislaine-Maxwell trial yesterday? Uh, Just a bit of it. Yeah, she she is a, a pervo monster, allegedly. Uh, those those people exist with both sets of genitalia. She's a woman who happens to be a pervo monster. We, we've said this before, but that it's what I was thinking yesterday. They're the same as the ugly, crack addict, dirty clothes people who abduct a kid and abuse him in some, you know, shanty somewhere. It's just you 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 picture that and you can okay, I see that they look like that. Yeah. These are the same brains. They're just in good-looking, rich, well-dressed people. One is reminded of uh, Count Dracula. You know, the the elegant, classy monster that preys upon people. God, I was I was reading some of that testimony yesterday and thinking I don't have daughters, but 
God, how do you keep your daughters out of the clutches of people? Because they were so good, and they and they threw so much stuff at these girls. Mm-hmm. You know, just you're, you're going to be a model. I have connections, and you know, here's a photo shoot. Because he had so much money, he could actually line up a photo shoot, and you'd see the pictures and all this different sort of stuff. Absolutely, and buy you so much stuff as they're grooming you to rape you. Right. Oh. It, Well, Prince Andrew's waiting. One way, I guess, would be not have your kids over at some strange guy's house every day for two weeks. Ever. Yeah. 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 Um, That was heavy. Let me do this. This is stupid and light. Did you know we're in the middle of a rare stretch of palindrome days? And the sort of person that (laughs) likes this sort of thing is very excited about this sort of thing. Starting today. And for the next. This is the uh, most excited I've been since March 14th, which, of course, is Pi Day. Gleeman. <laughs> this uh, for the next nine days, we're in a string of palindrome days that are very exciting. It is twelve one twenty one today. One two one two one. It's the same front as frontwards as backwards, and obviously that'll be true tomorrow for twelve two twenty one and all the way through the ninth. Twelve nine twenty one is the last one, so we got nine days of these. Oh my! Very exciting if you like that sort of thing. And then suddenly it'll be over, and then suddenly it'll be over, and you'll just think, "Man, where did those days go?" Oh, oh! It'll be over until twelve eleven twenty one. Then it'll be over. Uh, the the other two are twelve eleven and December twenty second, which are oh, twelve twenty two, which are six digit palindromes, which are the most you can ever get. And of course, twelve thirty three. The 33rd of December. <laughs> exactly. So if you like that sort of thing, you like that sort of thing. So we got another trans. That's the most excited I've been since uh, May the 4th. May the 4th be uh, with you. Gleeman. <laughs> <laughs> we got another trans athlete problem here. Yeah, I don't know. Is it a problem? Used to be a dude. Now a gal wins all races. Okay. No problem, says a lot of these sports authorities. If you miss an hour of the show, grab it on the podcast, Armstrong and Getty.com. Armstrong and Getty.